Hi, this is Mo Maduro, Life Expansion After 50 Podcast, and this is part two of the mental area. So those are some examples of using the conscious mind to use the unconscious to your benefit using automaticity. So that's, we'll put that into the bucket of attention and choice because you can make you, where you put your attention and then the choices that you make about that. I want to cover the topic of words and language because words can shape narratives and they're highly interconnected with beliefs. You can listen to a person's choice of words and you can understand what their beliefs are. This is very common with coaches to be able to to elicit that just by having a person talk about it. You can pick up where they have fixed mindsets and the people are just oblivious to it. The same way they can be oblivious to the fact that the keys are in their hand when they're saying, I can't find my keys, where are they? Their glasses are on the head, they're saying, where, where are my glasses? And I'll point out here, the work that came out of neurolinguistic programming that said communication is made up of 7% words, 38% tonality and pitch and that stuff and then 55% physiology of body language. Yes, I agree with that. But I'll also say, as a salesperson, I can tell you I put much, much more weight on words than 7%. I am listening to those words very carefully because it's telling me what the person is communicating to themselves inside. It's telling me what their model of the world is. So while I agree that when you're interacting with somebody, you can look at their body language and you can get 55% of the information of what they're conveying by looking at the physiology. What I'm also saying is that I would put almost 100% weight on the word and the tonality because it's telling me what's actually going on in their head. I'm not dismissing the physiology. I just don't want to lose all that valuable information that's coming from the words. And I think any coach would tell you that. And another part when it comes to words... And again, this is the conscious mind. So one of the things I talk about quite a bit is how the neurons fire and wire, but they go both ways. And I've used the example that anxiety creates shallow breathing, but shallow breathing can create anxiety. Well, words are the same thing. When you have an emotional response, you may throw out a word that you don't even think about it. You just, you know, you may curse or whatever. You use some word, oh man, you know, whatever. And It's just a reaction. It's not even a thought. You don't even think about it. Well, if a person says that I'm stuck or I'm overwhelmed, that word overwhelmed has meaning. And the meaning of the word overwhelmed for most people is probably less empowering than more empowering. So words like uh, I can't do it, that has meaning and it causes you to shut down. So we call this transformational vocabulary. You're going to transform your words, transform your vocabulary. And I got that from Tony Robbins 30 years ago, transformational vocabulary. By changing the word, you actually change the internal state that you have. And I'll give you a personal example. And I did this in the, it was like a 14-day seminar where we were going through a certification program. And, you know, in selling... (laughs) So I'll, I'll do two things here. In selling, there's a thing called call reluctance. You know, people don't like to make calls. And even some of the best salespeople get tired or lazy and just don't want to make that extra call or just don't want to go for the close. But the best, the people who get the best results keep pushing through that. They push through it and they push through it and they make that a habit. And they, you know, you can do things to release dopamine to, to make it a habit. Well, I wanted to deal with this thing, rejection, because that's one of the things that causes call reluctance, right? If you feel rejected. So I took the word rejected and said, you know what? I'm going to change it from rejected to unappreciated, which is really true because 
if someone is not buying the product or service, they don't appreciate it for themselves at that time. They don't appreciate the value, which is perfectly fine. That's their choice. But I took it away from being rejected. And there's a very, very important reason to do that. The other thing I did, though, I did a double, I did a double whammy on it because words also can create power. So what I did was I changed the meaning of the word rejection. So instead of rejection, meaning someone didn't buy from me, I said rejection is when I don't go after my goals or when I shirk my responsibility and accountability to advance the ball forward. That's a rejection of myself. And so I used the power of the word rejection or that feeling or that state of rejection to actually motivate me. And I did that in some other areas as well. I got rid of the word overwhelm. I got rid of the word embarrassed. I replaced them I, uh, with embarrassed. I replaced it with, it was very amusing because I didn't want to use words that put me into a, a subservient state, so to speak. I wanted to be operating from a position of strength and taking those words out that took me down a notch because when you do that, you're reducing your serotonin. And when you reduce your serotonin, you don't have that same juice. You don't have that same emotional juice to go forward. Now, the reason I said it's so important to deal with that rejection thing, I'm sure you've probably heard that public speaking is the number one or two uh, or number one or number two fear for humans right up there with death. Why is that? Who can prove this? But there's a perspective out there that says it's because back in the hunter gatherer time when our brain, you know, 100,000 year old brain, that's essentially what it's set up as. If you spoke out against the tribal leader, you could be killed. And so there's a connection of speaking up and connecting it to dying. And that makes a lot of sense when you think about why are people... So I've seen people in public speaking classes literally just lock up and freeze and they can't speak at all. Those of you who, who can speak, who do speak in public, probably still experience a little bit of uh, butterflies. We all get the butterflies, just get them flying in formation. And, and people will tell you as soon as, they, as soon as they start speaking, the fear goes away. But I thought that was very interesting. So anyway... If you have a challenge with call reluctance, if you have a challenge with public speaking, go in and look at some of the words you're using relative to it and play with changing the words. I think you'll be pleased with what you find. And then just start listening to yourself. Listen to yourself with a conscious mind and journal and make some changes to some of those words you're using that are coming out reactionary from the unconscious. There's two more items I want to cover because I think it's important. So one is that and I've, I've used the word fractal quite a bit. So because we're all atoms, how we operate at the cellular level is, is not that different with how we operate at the macro level. And cells, as I understand it, uh, they either move towards nutrients or they move away from danger. They move away from toxins or things that can hurt them, which makes sense, the same as we do. We move towards pleasure or nutrients. We move away from things that can hurt us. What's interesting about a cell is that there's a distinct configuration when it's moving away from and a different distinct configuration when it's moving toward. So it doesn't get to move away from and toward at the same time. It has to change its configuration. So it goes to the neutral and then changes to another configuration. I think we're the same, same way. You've heard, I've heard statements that fear and faith can't exist in the mind at the same time. It's, you know, people have folks smile when they're fearful, they'll smile 
and the fear will go away temporarily until they stop smiling. And so if you think about it like that, making these choices with the conscious mind so that you are moving toward and putting off, moving away from, and being fear-based. By the way, in the cell world, they call it protection and growth, and it's the same thing, protection. And this is why they say that the mind cannot create in a state of lack or fear, because in, in lack and fear, we're in protection mode. And if we're anything like the cells, which it makes sense we would be, we're in a different configuration. We're in a closing down, a protection, a protective configuration, and it's very hard to create greatness from that posture. So we want to get out of that. And that's where meditation, mindfulness, breathing, managing your state, and then working on that uh, powerful present moment over and over and over. The last part is practice. And it's a be, do, have. It's so easy to focus on thinking that we have to have the thing first and then we'll become the person. You want to become the person first. Become the kind of person that it's going to take to live above the line and have these things that you want. So it's be, do, have. So practice, rehearse, put yourself in situations in your mind, and then apply the right response. When those situations happen, they're now familiar to the unconscious, and it knows what to apply. If you have this picture in your mind that in two-tenths of a second, by the time the conscious mind is aware of what's going on and can react to it, the unconscious has already been processing a couple of million bits of information. You would rather the unconscious be processing in a way that serves you rather than in a way that's just random based on conditioning from zero to seven and that's fear-based because inevitably it'll spin you into an anxious state or a fear state or a protection state when you don't need to be. Everything that we run into is not a saber-toothed tiger. So again, the conscious mind's first line of defense, do your own research, do your own study, Start making the distinction between what's coming from the conscious mind versus what's coming from the unconscious, and you can journal. And then when you start meditating with this view, you'll understand that a lot of those impulse, those thoughts are popping up is from the unconscious, and the conscious mind just has to gently put them aside, reminding, reminding yourself that you'll deal with them later. And having, understanding that distinction between the conscious and the unconscious will get you to a place where you have a buffer. The other thing I would say is pause. Get used to pausing, even if it's two seconds before you respond. Just learn to pause. The more you pause, the more you're going to be responding out of your conscious mind. And when you're responding out of your conscious mind, you're responding out of possibility. And you're going to be more aligned with purpose and your values. All right, stay strong. We'll see you next time.